0: Live to give uh, simply is a term that uh, expresses God's feeling toward us, what he wants us to be. He wants us to be those who our whole life is engulfed in giving. And when we say that, we're talking not just about money. I'm talking about in your relationships. I'm talking about of your time, uh, of all of you. And why we say this is because we as Christians should give in every area of our life. Why we can say that is because we know that uh, as Christians we say, well, I, I want to be like God. How many would say, I want to be like God? I mean, I would think you would say that if you're a Christian. I want to be like him. And, uh, but if you want to be like him, the first thing you have to understand about God is that God is an absolute giver. We know it from the most famous and recognized passage or verse of scripture, not only in the church, but all around the world. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave god is a giver he's an ultimate giver and so that's where he's trying to get us to be he wants us to be givers of your life givers we want to be we want to be givers of compassion givers of grace givers of forgiveness Uh, we just want to be a blessing to people and when you're a blessing to others they're a blessing to you Here's the issue, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is God really needs to do a work in our heart in this area, in this area of giving. I'm, again, I'm not just talking about money, but I'll show a little bit today of, of how money affects every area of our life. It's the one thing that we hold on to the most and the, mo- and the and tightest, come on, even more than our time. But it's not just that, it's every area of our life. And, and listen, we are born takers and born-again givers. We're born takers and born-again givers. How can I say that? Because think about this. Have you ever had to teach your kids to be selfish? Did you ever need to be taught to be selfish? Come on. You don't have to teach them to be selfish. They come out that way. David said, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. So we come out takers. Come on, takers. Think about a baby, right, and children and toddlers. We're, we're born takers, but we're born-again givers. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to a couple of passages of Scripture. If you have your electronic Bible, just go to the first one because you can get to the second one quickly. Uh, but if you're looking through an old-fashioned paper Bible, I want you to put a marker in Luke chapter 6, and then I w- then want you to go back to Matthew chapter 7. Okay, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, and then we're going to Luke chapter 6, and then we'll go to an Old Testament scripture a little bit in just a little bit. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start right at verse 1. Now, the context of this scripture is it is the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to his disciples, very well known passages of scripture all through here you know if you look in your old school bible you see it's all in red it's five six and seven jesus is talking and so uh chapter number seven if you look right at the beginning now when i read this passage of scripture it's just these first two verses let me listen uh to what jesus is saying okay he says judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment you judge you will be judged And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, just the first two passages of scripture, first two verses of scripture. I want to do something. I want to read that again, just so we're on the same page. And I want you to, uh, I'm going to emphasize some words in here. And I want you to see if you might know what the context of this scripture is. What, G- what the subject of this whole scripture is, okay? See if you can pick it out. It might be kind of hard. You might have to listen a little bit. But see if you can pick out the context of this scripture. Okay, so we'll be on the same page. Okay, so I'm going to emphasize. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, are you kind of starting to get the idea of what the context might be? You will be judged. What do you think the context of this passage is? Judging, right? Would you say that, judging? You would say the context is judging. Okay. We're going to go to another passage of Scripture. This is a Sermon on the Mount, and uh, it's also recorded in Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels, meaning that they're the same, okay? But here's before we go to that verse of Scripture, I want to just bring something else out. Before you put Luke up, before you put it up there... Before you put it up, I I just want you to, I want to bring something out in Matthew, okay? Listen to the the first phrase in Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. Say that. Judge not that you be not judged. Okay. And then in verse 2, for with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Say that. For with what measure you use. Okay, we got those two. Now, turn over to Luke. This is the same, I'm doing this for a reason, same same passage of Scripture. And I want you to follow follow with me now, okay? I know you, you you have a tendency to just read all the way through. But just look at, in verse 37, look at the first line in there. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Stop right there, right? That sounds like the very first line in Matthew chapter 7, right? Judge not that you be not judged. Go down to verse 38, the end of verse 38. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you, right? Does that sound like the same that we just read, okay? So this is the same same, uh, uh, sermon on the mount, same part of the sermon that uh, Matthew recorded and now Luke records it. But Luke puts a little bit more in there. And I don't know if it's because maybe Luke was a doctor and maybe they couldn't understand his writing and they just added in there what they thought he was saying. I don't know. Uh, But what I do believe is that uh, uh, they all have a unique perspective on the same events and that all scripture is inspired by God and by the Holy Spirit. And so Luke gives us a little bit more. So let's go back up to verse 37. Uh, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. But he goes on to say... Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this this verse of scripture I'm, I'm, now stick with me through this whole thing. It won't be very long, but I'll we'll go all the way around. Okay. So this this passage of scripture, when this is usually preached by a preacher, what is usually the context of it? Good. What is it? Money, right? Money. Now let me ask you a question. Did you see money anywhere in there? All right. Now that wasn't as strong. Did Did you see money anywhere in here? All right, what was the context of this passage? Judging, right? Judging. And, and you say, well, no, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, that's talking about money. But look, it doesn't say it. It could be anything. You could give compassion. You could give forgiveness. You could give money. It's it's not just talking about money. And you might say, well, why are you going through all this? I'm trying to get you to understand that God wants us to be givers in every area of our life. He wants us to be givers. See, you must understand that the blessing is a spiritual thing. Let's not just say, hey, listen, he's giving us a principle and a program to follow as if we're talking to fidelity or, you know, some financial company. If we just follow these three steps, this is a relational thing with God. And when he blesses you in the spirit, you don't have to worry about things that manifest. Come on. You don't have to worry about that's what God is trying to get us to see here. And so when you look at this, the context is. Judging. We didn't see money anywhere in there. You can give kindness. You can give criticism. You can give a lot of things. Listen, I, I, not to give you an English lesson. I know the kids are tired of school by now. They're ready to get out. But you know, if you look at this sentence, give and it will be given to you, we know that give is the action word. Give is the verb, right? It is inanimate. We, so we have to put something in there for it because there is no such thing as it, right? So it. It could be whatever. We plug in there, okay? You is the implied subject. It doesn't say you give, but that's why it's implied. It is talking about you. You can't look at this verse of scripture and say, well, I don't have to give because it didn't say me. It just said give. But it's an implied subject. You give, and it will be given back to you. Come on now. I mean, if you want to take it to the exact context, it was talking about judging. But Jesus emphasizes a principle that God established here. So you can put anything in there, it. I mean, you can put in, you know, sweet potato pie. I'm just trying to give you a little example of something you might want to do. Give, and it will be given back to you. Now, these are, these are farming terms, and uh, Israel understood these terms, okay? These are farming terms. And what, what they're talking about, what you have to understand is that in, uh, back in the day, in, in ancient Israel, what, what they, God had this thing set up where he would take care of the poor, which you probably could use today. Jesus said the poor will always be with you. But he had this system set up where... Uh, out in a field where there was, I don't know, it may be corn or whatever a farmer was farming, they were to uh, harvest that field, but they were to leave the corners for the poor. Okay? So if you were poor, you could go there and get what's left over in the corners for yourself. That was a system that God had set up. And uh, now think about this. Here's, here's what these terms are. T- here's why... Uh, Jesus referenced these terms is because if you are a, let's say if you're a worker working in the field for a farmer and you go out there with your basket, think about how you're going to fill your basket up. You work for let's say a denarius a day so maybe a dollar a day Uh, All right. so you work for a dollar a day, doesn't matter how much you harvest, you get that same amount. So how are you going to fill up your basket? You're going to go out there and just put some in your basket. And maybe you take it over to the oxen and dump it in the bigger basket or whatever it might be, and, and you're just going to put some in. That's how you're going to work, and you're going to work all day. It doesn't matter how many baskets you get, you're going to get paid the same amount. Think about if you're a poor person and you wanted to go just harvest the corners of the field. First of all, poor people didn't live out on the farm. They probably lived in the city. And probably in the wall of the city. They had it set up where they would leave little areas in the wall where those who couldn't build houses of their own uh, would be able to live in there. So they probably lived in the wall of the city. So first of all, in order to get out there, they had to get their basket and walk out there. So maybe it's a mile. I don't know how far it is out to the farmer's field that they had to go. So first of all, they had to get out there. All right. And then, uh, depending on uh, whoever else uh, came out there that was poor, they had to find uh, some of the crop to get uh, for themselves. And then once they filled up their basket, by the time they got back home, maybe they wanted to come back. Maybe it's later in the day. And by the time they came back, there may not be anything left. Okay, so in other words, think about how they would have filled up their basket when they got out there. This might be their only chance to fill this basket. So how are they going to fill it? Well, first of all, they're going to put a good measure in there. Come on. I'm I'm not going to just throw a little bit in there. I'm going to fill it up. And then I want to get some more in there, so I might press it down. Come on now. And then once I do that, they might shake it together so it'll settle down at the bottom. And then they'll probably put more in there so that it over... You're going to get as much as you can in this basket. Jesus is saying the same way that poor people fill up their basket, that's how it's going to be given back to you. God is a multiplier. Come on. He doesn't just give a little bit. You gave me a dollar. Here's a dollar. No, he's a multiplier. Come on. Now, let me tell you something about that. That is a great verse. That's a great verse when you think of it in that context. Give and it shall be given to you. Because if you think about it, if you're a giver and you give money, listen, God promises to take care of you. If you're a giver and you give compassion, he will take, if you give forgiveness, listen, you don't have to worry about it. You will be forgiven. But it can also be a terrible verse. And I say that because it depends on what you give. I mean, if you give judgment, that's what you're going to give back. But look at how he throws it in there. You give condemnation, you'll get condemnation back. But look at how he he puts it in there. You're not just going to get it back. You're going to get it back good measure. uh, uh You judge, you're going to get judgment back good measure. Press down. You condemn people, you're going to get condemnation back good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. Come on. Because God's a multiplier, the principle works. The principle works. So it can be anything. It can be money, flowers, whatever it might be. Go back up to verse 30 for a moment and look at what Jesus said. This is how he prefaces this. Because he is talking about material things as well. He's not just talking about compassion and forgiveness. He's talking about everything in every area of your life. Look at what he says in verse 30. It says, give to everyone who asks you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. These are kind of some harsh words if you're a person who's cynical or, you know, those people we just call evil. Got an evil face, evil look on your face all the time. These, these, this, this might not sit well with you, what Jesus is saying here. He says in verse 31, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Again, remember, this isn't saying the way that people treat you, treat them that way. It does not say that. It says, just as you want them to do to you, you also do to them. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, What credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those, come on, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? It doesn't say you should never do that, but it says what credit. Don't don't act like you did something good when you lent something to somebody and you're expecting something back. Because why? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good. Do good. Now, here's one that's going to hit you. It's going to hit you in the heart. Hoping for nothing in return. Lend. Who lends hoping for nothing in return? Who does that? Jesus said you ought to. Lend hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the highest for he is kind to the unthankful and evil lend hoping for nothing in return here's the thing about that scripture I would rather be blessed by God than to lend to you and hope that you bless me back a little bit more because God knows how to bless now, let me say one other thing about this before we just go to our Old Testament scripture here. And that is this. Most of the time when this is, when this is preached, give and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking, shaken together, shall, shall men give unto your bosom. Most of the time when this is preached, I believe that many people receive this But they don't receive the revelation that God wants them to receive. They receive a different revelation. I I could just see God now sitting up going, oh, that was a great message. My people really got the revelation today of getting. That was a great message that that preacher preached on getting. That's why God has to deal with our heart in this area. Because he says, lend hoping for nothing in return. Now, I'm going to show you something in Deuteronomy when we get over there in a minute that you don't have to, see, and when you hear stuff like that, you think it's some uh, poverty message. Oh, I'm just, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, our father owns cattle on a thousand hills. and he, he, I would rather be blessed by God because it, God made all the money and God has all the money. He has all the resources. Come on. He created the resources. He created the machines that make the resources. He gave men and women the ideas to come up with everything. Uh, He is the source. Come on. He's the source. And so, no, we're not talking about some poverty mentality here. But we're talking about a heart issue. He first has to deal with your heart. Because you have to understand. See, God just doesn't go around blessing uh, uh, over and abundant Uh, over and abundantly people who are not givers i mean you might say well i did all the same thing i i i see how brother steve he just quotes scripture and he pays tithes and he gives to people and god just blesses him i tried that and it didn't work with me well maybe your heart is not right because you have to understand that it's not about the amount that you give never was about the amount god has everything he'll bless you come on He'll bless you. he crazy bless you. Come on. So it's not about the amount, but it's about your heart. That's what God wants. God wants hearts. And so if you lend, hoping for nothing in return, uh, and, and you have that type of attitude, God has no problem blessing you because he's able to do, come on, somebody, exceeding, come on, above all you can ask or think. That's not in the, that's not in the Bible for nothing. Come on. But if your heart's not right, he has no reason to bless you. Come on. He has no reason to bless you. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done. It's a heart issue. Uh, You know, we listen. It says here that he is kind to the unthankful and evil. By the way, uh, don't get prideful because I want to let you know that was you and me. You and I were the unthankful and the evil. You want to know how? Well, I don't seem like I was that bad. Let me tell you something. While you were yet sinning, while we were yet sinners, before we even knew that we needed a Savior, Jesus was dying on the cross for you and I. Before we even realized that we were evil, He was already, before the foundation of the world, a lamb was slain. Come on. So we can't get pride. Let's not get prideful. Let's not get prideful. Come on. That was you and I. And I believe that God is saying to us, not if, if you'll give. Don't, it's, it's not that you'll give so you'll, you can get. But I want to change your heart so that you're just a giver. And you, you won't have worry, anxiety, and fear. That's why Paul said that in Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Be anxious for nothing. But in everything... Through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The Philippian church, listen, we're having a great time talking about this on Wednesday nights. The Philippian church were givers. They were givers. They were right where God wanted them to be. But he says, if you'll give with that type of heart, expecting nothing in return, oh, I'm going to bless you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together and running over you're not going to have to worry about it but it's about your heart and I believe God related this even from the beginning turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 15 this what we're talking about is it's a heart issue we're talking about live to give and God changing our heart God changing our heart to be givers to be live a life of giving Deuteronomy chapter 15 start there at verse 7 And the Bible says this. Listen to what he told them. He said, if there is any among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. I believe that this relates to us today. He was talking to Israel back then, I know. But I believe that this relates to us that God is speaking to us. Here's the here's the backdrop of that without reading the whole chapter. And, and you can do that. Read all of chapter 15. Uh, it, it, back then. Tell me how many of you would like this uh, system to still be in place. The seventh year was called the year of release. So all debts were canceled. Come on now. I know that that, that ought to get an amen. Seventh year you go six years. Seventh year, all debts just simply canceled. They were just canceled. It was just called the year of release. I know I'd like to go back to that. Come on. So that's sort of the backdrop, and that's why God is saying all these things. But there's four things quickly in here, uh, I believe, that uh, we can really extract to apply to our life if we want to live to give. Not, not, not acts We want to do acts of service and acts of kindness, but that ought to be uh, birthed out of a grateful heart, out of a heart. Come on. Once our heart is changed, we can't do uh, kind acts in order to be a good person. That's why it's sometimes difficult to judge people by what they do. You can see people give and say, well, that's a great, uh, a great person. That's just such a nice person. They might not be a nice person. And I, I've probably said this maybe a hundred times uh, over a few years, but I'll never forget. Uh, Jody uh, taught us, uh, the, she gave a, uh, a lesson to our worship team years and years ago, and it, it has stuck with me in my mind, in my heart, Jody, all those years that you can be a self-centered person and not be a selfish person. You can be a giver. You can do things for people, but you can be so self-centered because I want people to look at me and see what I've done. God doesn't bless that either. Just because you gave, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. So the first thing God is telling us here is we need to deal with a selfish heart. We need to deal with a selfish heart. Remember in the seventh year, all debts are canceled? So then if we're selfish, we're thinking, hey, next year, all the debts are canceled. We got four more months before the year starts. I'm not giving to this guy. Because if I give to this guy, I know all the debts are going to be canceled here in just a few months. The, year's, the seventh year is coming up. And so I'm not going to do that because I know that I won't get it back. Come on. God knows that that's what will be in our heart. Come on. He knows that that's what will be in our heart. And so He wants us to deal with a selfish heart. Deal with this selfish heart. I mean, look at this here, back in verse 9. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. God calls a selfish heart a wicked heart. Don't be selfish. Why are you looking for that person to bless you back anyway? Look to the creator, the source, the one who blessed them and the one who's blessing you. Don't look for that person to bless you back. It's difficult, but we need to deal with a selfish heart. Again, remember you weren't—you didn't have to be taught to be selfish. You were born with a wicked heart. I know you don't want to hear that. I, I have a good heart. Okay, I know. David said you were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Come on, didn't have to be taught to do that. Think about your kids. Think about when you were a kid. I had uh, my cousins were over. I had a cousin over last week. And her daughter was playing in a volleyball tournament in downtown Indianapolis, so they came and stayed with us. And she brought her young daughter, uh, who was seven, and she brought a couple of uh, her cousins uh, so that she could play, they could play together. And she was thinking, that because they're all going to be downtown while the volleyball tournament's going on. And I said, no, you know what, why don't you just leave them with me? and my wife's going to be out of town, uh, a couple of kids will be home. Just leave them here, and uh, we'll just have fun. I'll just wipe my slate clean for the day, and we'll just have fun with the, with the, with the girls. And so uh, I even went and uh, asked for some more punishment, and I got uh, my uh, other little nephew, thank you, uh, Jaden, uh, who's six. And so I had six, seven, eight, and nine all there in a row, three girls and a boy. And uh, so we said, we're just going to play. I said, let's just play all day. So we got up, made pancakes and uh, eggs and all of that. And, uh, and then we, we said, all right, let's get some games. We're going to play some games. So one of them, we have a little pantry where we have a bunch of games. So one of them went and uh, got Family Feud, I think. And another one went and got Jenga. And another one went and got a different game. And so they all came out. And I said, this is great. We got all day. I said, your mom going to be gone all day long. She's not coming back till this evening. And so we got all day. So let's play all the games. So uh, they said, all right. One of them said, well, let's play Jenga. They said, no, we, we don't want to play that one first. Let's play, uh, you know, Family Feud first. Oh, every time I say something, you just want to play your game first, and she just wants to. So this went on for about 10 minutes. I said, stop. We're playing Simon Says. Put all those games up. We're playing Simon. So, we would, so because I suggested Simon Says, that's what we played. They were all right with that. And then I have a little uh, office at my house where I have a microphone and we, I can do some recording, you know. Mike uh, Morgan and I used to have a recording studio, so I have a keyboard and stuff there at the house and I can record. I said, you know what? This will be fun. Let's do this. Let's go into the office and I have a microphone there and let's just make some music and sing and then I'll record it and then you can take it with you, you know, that's you on the recording, you know. And they said, oh yeah, this is going to be fun, this is going to be fun. So I took them in there and I had this microphone. Now it's a microphone we bought uh, when we had the studio. So it's about an $800 microphone. It's a professional studio grade microphone. So we go in there, got this microphone set up and they had a song that they made up. We're gonna sing this song. So I put down this little piano part and they're all standing around the microphone like the Supremes. And, uh, you know, getting ready to sing their song. But, you know, one of them was in front, and the other two were on the side. And we go to record the song. She says, no, no, I, I should be in the middle. You should be over there. Well, every time I'm the one that wants to be in the middle, she always wants to change it around. So finally, we started to record a song. You're singing louder than me. I said, well, why don't you just sing louder? Every time I sing louder, she tries to sing louder. So this went on for about 15 minutes. And I said, you know what? That's enough. Everybody out of the office. And when the record sells, I'm getting all the residuals from it. You guys are getting nothing uh, because you don't know how to work together. And so you realize you, you don't have to be taught to be. It's in you. No matter what we did that day, they argued about who was first, whose idea it was. Come on. You don't have to be taught to have a selfish heart. So we need to deal. God needs to deal with the selfish heart. Number two, he needs to deal with the grieving heart. Look at verse 10. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Now, look at that phrase there. Wouldn't you like for God to bless you? But here's what God is saying. Isn't it interesting that before you give, it seems like you have a selfish heart. And even if you do give, it seems like you have a grieving heart. You ever done that? You ever give to somebody? I mean, come on. I mean, we've gone through things before. It felt like the Lord told us to give. I mean, we, we tithe, you know, faithful. We have, uh, you know, ever since we've been married. Uh, haven't missed tithing and all of that. But, you know, you do that, and then all of a sudden, the, the heating unit goes out. The one upstairs and downstairs. And then uh, the car needs a belt. And then also something else goes out at the same time. You know what the enemy does? First thing he puts in your mind, see, you're giving, uh, giving stuff away. You're giving that money to the church or you gave the so-and-so and you could have been using it. And that's, what that's called is a grieving heart. Grieving heart. And God will take care of it. He'll take care of it. But look at the rest of that verse. Uh, do, you should not be grieved when you give to him. Here's a key right here. Because for this thing, the Lord your God, now listen closely, will bless you in all your works and all which you put your hand to. Wouldn't you like to be blessed in every single thing you do? Man, I just can't, I just can't go wrong. I mean, I, I go down to the bank and I, I thought I had $10 in and they tell me you got $27. $27. I mean, everything I do. I went to buy the tickets and I thought they were going to be $30 and the tickets were only $14. I mean, just everything you do. Come on. That's what the Bible said. He said, I will bless you in all of your works and all that you put your hand to. I'm going to open a business. It's just blessed. People coming in. It's overflowing. I don't know about you, but I would love to live a life. Come on. Where the blessing, which is spiritual overflows and manifests to you what does that mean not, not every, nothing will ever come against you but I would love to live that life so it doesn't mean things won't come against you because there was a storm Jesus just walked on the water that's all it wasn't like there wasn't a storm there was a storm but Jesus just walked on through it told Peter to come on too so there'll be storms, it's not that, it's not that he takes away storms, but you have the anointing and the blessing on you. When Paul was on the ship, come on, and uh, that thing got torn apart by that storm, Eurocladon. listen, uh, because Paul was on the boat, sinners got saved from that situation. Wouldn't you love to be that person? Come on. But you can't go around saying, yeah, I'm that person. Yeah, y'all know y'all say because of me, you'll never be that person being that way. Come on. I know it's paradoxical, but it's the thing. You got to have a right heart. You have to be able to give, not hoping for nothing in return. Because when you do that, you're blessed in everything that you do. Isn't that interesting? That's how God works. Number three, we need to develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Verse 14, you shall supply him liberally, liberally. That's not politics. That just, that means over and abundant. Come on. From your flock, from your threshing floor, <laughs> and from your winepress, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give. Develop a generous heart. Don't just give a small amount. Don't just give just enough. Give more than enough. We always talk about how God is more than enough. God is more than enough. He's, we used to sing a song, he's more than enough for me. Well, that's, guess what? He's trying to teach you to be that same way. He's trying to teach you to be more than enough over and above, over and above. And lastly, we need to develop a grateful heart. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command this thing to you this day. Verse 16. And if it happens that he says to you. I will not go away from you. Because he loves you in your house. Since he prospers with you. Come on. God is saying this. Now look. I know you know I'm blessing you now. But don't get high and mighty. Remember that you are a slave. And you need to be grateful. In everything that you do. Every area of your life. You need to be grateful. We need to develop a grateful heart. Listen, we're talking about things here where, where God wants to bless us. In fact he, he, in fact, he has the blessing for us. But I think that a lot of times we just look at it the wrong way. See, we're, we're looking for the material thing. We're looking for uh, the, the blessing. As, as I said before, you know, the car, the house, that's not the blessing. The blessing is spiritual. That's a result of the blessing. Come on. That's an overflow from the blessing. And so we don't have to look for those things. But if you would press in, God says, seek my face while I may be found. If we're able to do that, if we're able to press in to his presence, come on. Uh, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. God is a blessing God. God's not a poverty mentality God. God's not a God, God's not a God that would say go up the rough side of the mountain. I, mean, I know some days things are rough. But you don't have to look forward to going up the rough side of the mountain. God wants to bless you. Come on. And if, it's not that the rough side of the mountain is not there, but it ain't going to be rough when you go up it. You're going to make it up. You're going to make it up. You know what this takes from us to allow God? And I'll say this and let you go. To allow God to develop our heart, to allow God to deal with our heart, it's going to take discipline from us. It takes discipline. It takes you pressing into his presence. It takes making him first in your life. It takes you giving time to him when you want to give time to other things. It takes you developing a heart that says, I I may not have much, but I'm still going to tithe. Come on now, I'm saying that for you. God, God has everything. He doesn't need anything. I'm saying it for you. It takes you, listen, listen. You can endure the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. You're going to endure one or the other. And the kingdom is taken by force, and the kingdom is within you.